ownership versus overfunctioning. Let's talk about it. Hey guys, he's Matt. And she's Molly. Welcome to the Out of Control Podcast. Where we give you permission to live live an an out out of control control life. life. That's not always easy. And that's why there's lots to talk about. All right, let's do this. Okay. All right, so what is it that we're talking about? Ownership versus overfunctioning. Overfunctioning. Let's let's try something today. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna skip everything else. We're gonna go right into it. Okay. And we'll look at the stats and see if people listen to more of the podcast. <laughs> I'm a data guy. Okay. Let's see what happens. Maybe we can do a little pause halfway through. Do a little interesting facts. Okay. And you guys can whine and complain if you wanted us to keep telling you more about our interesting facts. So, okay. So, uh, getting right into it, uh, let's define ownership and overfunctioning. All right. Ownership is. Um. Well, what I wanted to say has a bad word in it, so I won't do it. But just like owning. You can say it. I don't care if you say it. <laughs> okay. Don't listen, mom, if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> Owning your shit. Right. Like just really being like, yeah, I, but not, yeah, I did that and put up with it. Like that, if you don't like it, it's your yeah. fault. But like, oh, like almost like, I think there's a reflective quality that happens when you truly own it. Yeah. To be able to look around and see how it maybe affected those around you. I like that. I like, so like ownership is like recognizing what's my part, Mm -hmm. recognizing what's my impact. Yeah. Okay. Completely. What's my part? I like that. What's my part? What's my impact? Yeah. Because you being able to own your own stuff Mm -hmm. really doesn't have anything to do with anyone else. Right. Right. So Now, now, now if you're in a relationship and you have gotten well-versed in owning your stuff and the relationship's not working, you can choose to walk away. Like, but it really, it doesn't matter what type of your relation, what type of relationship you're in Mm -hmm. when you're trying to own what you need to own. It's strictly just, I feel like it has to just do with you. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. We haven't talked about this on here, but you know, one of the things that I think was nervous, nerving or nerve wracking, nerve wracking for me about doing a podcast with you is, you know, relationships are fragile and, um, I, I love the idea of unconditional love and some people may not like what I'm about to say, but, um, but I actually think, I don't think that's the goal. Like I, um, I don't think in a relationship it's fair to say you can treat me however you want and I will never leave. Well, I don't think that's, I think you can um, separate from a relationship and still love that person. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's, so that's true, right? Like, so I think in, especially in like a parent child relationship, right. You can unconditionally Unconditionally like love love your child forever and ever. And also say, you know, these are my boundaries and maybe you have a child that is addicted to substances and Mm. they're negatively impacting your life. And maybe the other you know, children you have and mm-hmm. you have to have a boundary of like, you know, I'm willing to continue to love and support you and help you how I can, but it may right. not be living in this home. Right. Potentially. Because when, when you can set boundaries, then you don't leave room for the, for another person to manipulate you mm-hmm. 
with the tactic of, you know, if you loved me, you would do this. Right. Well, I do love you. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm not doing that. Right. So I think you can. Um, well, I, but I, but I guess what I'm saying is, and, and you're, you're focused on the, the staying or, or, or the marriage part, but yeah, I'm, or I guess, yeah, to me, unconditional love doesn't mean that you put up with anything no. and everything from your partner. No, I don't think In so. In fact, unconditional love is actually owning your part more effectively and then creating it. And, and some, it's just sometimes, I think there are some relationships where, where people are not willing to own their part. Well, right? I think that's... And so unconditionally loving them may be ending the relationship. Yeah, because I think if you are like, I unconditionally love you, so I will put up with anything, that's just over-functioning. Yeah, which is our second part of the conversation here, which we had not really heard that word till maybe last five years. Um, I think it was a, when we did therapy with, with Finn Lyson. Yeah. And she told you that you over-functioned for me. Yeah. Which is not, it doesn't, it sounds like I'm like better, but it's not. It's actually a weakness in the person who is over-functioning. Well, and I think it's, you know, it, I think it shines light on both partners. Right. That's true. That's true, too, because if, if you recognized over-functioning your partner and you were I, healthy. I didn't, right. I didn't recognize it. If I did, I could be like, whoa, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about it. I never thought about it that way because I've usually been thinking about my side, but. Yeah. So, so, okay. So over-functioning, if we were to define that is taking on the responsibilities and the impacts that another is having as if they are your own responsibility. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Like you, you're taking it on as your own responsibility because you don't, um, believe. Well, the why we'll talk about oh, in a second. I'm okay. just trying to say yeah. that, 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 that is what it yeah. is though. It's, it's, That's it's how I would define it. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, so let's get into why. So why do some people choose to over-function in their relationships? And this could be kind of a conversation, not just for relationships, but well, kind of parenting. Well, I think I over-functioned in parenting. Okay. When our kids were younger, I think I've gotten a lot mm. better. So what did that look like or feel like? Well, I just, I, they probably could have started doing chores a lot sooner than I um, allowed them to because mm-hmm. I over-functioned. It was I think sometimes people overfunction in the name of it's easier. Yeah. In that moment, not maybe easier in the big picture, easier in the long run, but in that moment, you're like, I'm, I'm just gonna do it because it's easier. Yeah. And in that name, you just continue, you take on the role mm-hmm. of overfunctioning, and then it just, it becomes normal. And I think once you do it enough, you don't, you don't really see it. Yeah. I think it's really easy to be blind to overfunctioning for both parties. Yeah. And, and what it, it I think it to, feels in the moment, it feels good to both people. So it doesn't seem like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but the, but the reason why we're talking about it is because what was the result of well, that long-term overtime? impact? It, it creates more of a hierarchy in, in any relationship. It creates a hierarchy. The, because yeah. the over-functioner in, in subtle ways, um, looks and sometimes behaves like superior, like mm-hmm. I know more, I can do more, mm-hmm. I can handle more, mm-hmm. which makes the other person feel subtle things of I'm less than, I'm not enough, I can't do it, I'm too weak. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a real enabling enough. and disempowering that happens on the back on the other side of the yeah. functioning. And I think the longer you do it, the more those just kind of solidify. Yeah, but but let's stick with a kid example for a second before we talk about our relationship. The, but with the kid thing, um, 
so the reason why you found yourself doing it was because it was easy it was easy and then when i press you on it then what would what was your sort of feeling on it when you like initially pressed me on it when they were younger yeah i, I think what you've shown well, i don't i don't think you did it in the best way so it made me feel like i maybe wasn't being a good mom well i think sometimes i did it I don't know. Like I'd be like, "Hey, like let's get the kids involved," and you'd be like, "No, it's 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 more complex. Like it's just easier okay. if I just." I th- do it, I think right? sometimes in the past when you're mm-hmm. like, "Let's get the kids involved," it was, "Honey, you figure out how to get the kids involved." It was you gave me the suggestion, but it really fell on me to do the training or the showing or the teaching. Okay, I, I will I will say I don't think that's fair because I think I'm a pretty if you're willing to let me. Right. But then you go back to, I like to be in control of everything. <laughs> you would, I can't tell where you're Yeah. Going. I like to be in control of everything. So I didn't leave a lot of space for you to do that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I think it was a joint thing. I, I, I definitely don't want to diminish that there were times where my communication styles were ineffective. Like that's, that's definitely true. But there's, there was, there was some real, like I can think of times where I was really, being heartfelt, you know, kind. I was being a supportive. I was recognizing you're overwhelmed. And maybe, maybe if you had just like done it. Yeah, but, uh, like, but yeah, but that's, but there's no way like I could have tried to claim like clean. I wasn't the one that did those things. Well, no, so, but like maybe yeah. simple, like li- the little things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to, I'm going to um, empty the dishwasher for you. No, I'm talking about getting the kids involved. I'm not trying to do more no, of myself. No, 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 no. <laughs> and I'm going to teach Tyler with, we're going to do it together. I'm going to teach oh, okay. Tyler how to empty the dishwasher. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but I, I feel like I did a lot of teaching our kids how to do certain things. Now, I didn't teach them how to clean the toilets. I'll admit that that was not something. That, but I, like, I've always been the one that's like, let's get our kids involved in, and I'll help them. And like... Now that now sometimes you want me to oversee them and I'm like they're they're 16 years old they don't need well, to no, be no, overseen. overseen but they they need, do need their work checked just like if you worked at a job potentially yeah they do okay i some of our kids are part you and cu- corners are cut okay we don't do half ass around here <laughs> you guys see the difference between the way we think <laughs> okay okay let's go back to this <laughs> I want to make a comment here because I do think there's something fair here to look at on your side, which is that sometimes there's sort of this, this thing where in the name of it's easier for me, like I'm thinking about when they're like six and seven years Mm -hmm. old, right? Where, where the the reality is yes. Well, I think there's truth in, can can I finish real quick? So there's truth in the idea that, 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 that if they do it, it will be a lesser job than you doing it. Right. And so then I, you have to pick and choose what you're willing. To me, it gets down to a value. What's more important, teaching your children how to do something mm-hmm. or having it be perfect in the way you want? Or, and I think that's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think then if you want it perfect the way you want it, then you not, and I didn't do this. Great. You mm-hmm. shouldn't complain about it, that you've chosen to take on that. Yeah, and that, like that, six, that's I think at the, six the or seven, problem. I could have done a better job of like letting the dish duty be mm-hmm. taken over, letting the trash duty. I probably still would have stuck with um, some of the bigger pieces in the bathroom, but maybe okay, you learn how to wipe the counters yeah. and clean the sink. Yeah, 
and the mirror and I'll still tackle the toilet, the floors and the bathtub and shower. Cause right. those are, yeah, you kind of want those to be done. Yeah. And we'll, okay. Yeah. And so, and I think, um, I, yeah, I just, I, I, I think for me, what it came down to was control. Yeah. Which, which obviously is the reason why we're now, at, like with journey. No, I, I love no, having kids that I can be Yeah, like. well, and this is the thing we figured this out. So what, what? Okay, so what happened in that? If we look at the transitioning of the overfunctioning that that was well, kind of going on. Now, I would say that there that I do not overfunction for our kids. No, but you hundred percent overfunction for me. Yes, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. Okay, so what was the transition with the kids in? in I think we lived on the road. Okay. And then we moved back into a house, and I was like. Psh- I'm not claiming this house all by myself. Yeah. But you had a little bit of a pattern from your past because you, you're in your family. Your dad did a lot. No, uh, it was pretty equal because my, both my parents worked. So they okay. both helped out. Okay. Um, but the funny thing is, is that my older brother and sister did more cho- chores growing up than me and my little sister. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I do remember like vacuuming every day in the summer while mm-hmm. my mom was at work. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you I think there act- was, but there was a time I felt like where you, sorry, I cut you off that. No, time. go ahead. That was me. Okay. Where I felt like there was almost a side of you that like wanted to see me do the work. Like even though the kids could, it was like, no, you should do that. <laughs> like it was like, maybe I just wanted to feel like you. I don't know. But but our dynamics were different than my parents because both my parents worked, so it made sense. Right. Um, I do feel like when I transitioned to homeschooling, right. I valued that like a job because it, right. it, which it is, I mean, especially when they, I mean, it's, it, it the dynamics are different now that they're older. It's mm-hmm. still, there are moments where it requires a lot more mm-hmm. and moments that it doesn't, but especially when they were all little and I was homeschooling two elementary age kids with like a baby toddler toddler, and it it was exhausting Mm -hmm. and so i i did feel like i wanted you to help with some of the things around the house yeah which is fair but i and i feel like i did some stuff yeah i was also at a busier i was the busiest time of my life i know we were both i was working 60 hours a week and it was a very very busy time Um, and then starting a business later on during that time yeah we just sucked at communication early in our marriage so i think that would have solved a lot of problems when we well, and I think there's another nature thing like that also happens is like you, you want a house that is way more clean. And well, here's the funny thing. I'm, I'm neat. Like Here. my house is, is I think most people would walk in if, if I just like, if it was up to me and what I would expect, I think most people walk in and be like, Oh, this is a pretty clean house. That's not the same level. Well, of here's, cleanliness you feel well, here's the difference that I think sometimes you miss mm-hmm. is that I don't actually, I hate cleaning. I love an organized, mm-hmm. clutter-free house. Right. Okay. Cleaning. Mm-hmm. But I your do, expectation of the cleanliness well, of the house is no, actually not. It's a lot. Or when our kids were younger, mm-hmm. and in our early years of marriage, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a lot less. I don't. Mm-hmm. You have to. You've asked me a few times, like. Yeah. Do you think do you, the you toilet me, needs to be well, No, I'll say, do you want me to clean oh. the, can I I'm get like, the, oh, no, no, I got that. Yeah. So what did I do before you got back in town? Yeah, she cleaned the toilet before <laughs> I got back in town. My my level. I don't mind cleaning the toilet. No, I, I just know. want the tools to clean the toilet right there by the toilet so I can clean it. So. Um, 
my need, mm-hmm. my level of need for cleanliness mm-hmm. is a lot lower. My standard oh, now? is a lot totally. lower now. I just, Unless it's a countertop. I like a clean... <laughs> no, I like a clean kitchen. Yeah, you do. Big time. Clean kitchen is everything to you. Yeah. Mine, mine is... You want a clean kitchen over an orgasm. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> that helps with the orgasm. <laughs> Sorry, anybody. I just, like clutter. Yes. For, I just have a thing with clutter. Yeah. I really do. Yes. It like feels suffocating. Yes. Uh, I don't, I don't like a lot of stuff and I don't like when the stuff is out and not put where it needs to be. Yes. But with that being said, our kids do a lot of the cleaning. Yeah. Which actually contributes to having a clean house because if but they, they suck at countertops, I suck at countertops. And you no, 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 have no. to have your countertop. I actually, Tyler knows how to okay. wipe a countertop. Good. I've taught him. Okay. Um, y'all just lazy. Because <laughs> you don't value it. <laughs> don't. I don't. I mean, I like wiping it down. I think that's good. But I've seen like... you wipe it. No one taught you. <laughs> <laughs> no. I I, <laughs> I, I, th- I think what it is, is like you want a clean countertop all throughout the day, all day long. And to me, like one time, maybe at the end of the night, I have gotten better. Decent scrub. No, you have. Have I asked you to do it? I think we've just learned. It's like, that just needs to be your thing. After dinner, I want it wiped. And whoever cleans, whoever cooks doesn't clean. Yeah. I think it just needs to be your thing because I just don't, I won't do it good enough and I don't care to do it good enough. Well, if, if I cook dinner, you're in charge of cleanup. That means you can clean it yourself or you can delegate. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how we've worked things out as okay. of late. That's but, how we're not over-functioning for each other. Yeah. No, I really, I think. Yeah. I hate cooking and I hate cleaning. So if I have to do one, I don't want to do the other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no, okay, so, but not over, but learning how to not over-function. Yeah. So what was the, what was the transition? So, so one, we, we, so interestingly for us, we had this sort of period of time where we lived in the bus and the kids did actual chores around the bus. Like they, they would, did, but it was, it was it real took, quick. It like, was real quick. And so minutes. then when we moved to a house, I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not doing this yeah. all on my own. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm going to, I remember thinking that when we moved in the bus, I'm like, this is going to be so great. She's going to have so much time because she does not have as much space to clean and organize. And this is going to be good for our relationship. I could always find something but, organized. Yeah, no, you always could, even in the bus. Well, and it was very important to have it organized in the bus because you have such a limited amount of space. Yes, yes. But I mean, you do things now or like randomly. You're like, mm, I'm just going to organize this door again. Yeah, because it brings me joy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, so so on the over-functioning with the kids, so part of it was just, just there was like a realization for you that yes, it's it, they... It's one, they're old enough that they can do it. What is? Was there a part for you that you realized it was actually good for them to learn it, or was it more just I just need the help? No, I think it's good because I want my kids when they leave this house to know mm-hmm. how to do basic things. Yeah. Whether they choose to do that or not, yeah. I don't care. They're not going to be living with me anymore. They can have. Well, I, I hope that they'll be clean for the sake well, of I their ha- spouses, I roommates, hope, but, and children. But like, I'm gonna. Not take on. No, that. it's up to them. I'm not going to overfunction. It's up to them. Yeah. That's totally up to them. They know how to. Is is there it, a principle? It's just totally funny since you're the clean one. But is there a principle though of like cleanliness in life and like and the value of what that brings as far as the capacity for functioning in life? Well, I think one it shows that you value what you own. Okay. Right, like you care enough about something. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you could, it, like how you 
treat your body too. Mm-hmm. Like do you shower daily and brush your teeth morning and night and yeah. those kinds of things. I think it just means like you care about. Yeah. And I, and I think you have to be adaptable. Like when you have, you know, three kids under six years old, like it's way harder. Well, right. Every, every, house every season yeah. is going to look our season right now. I'm not going to lie. I freaking love it. Mm-hmm. It's nice. I think as a mom, I think some women are, um, really great and really love like the baby mm-hmm. toddler stage and some like, like the really in between like toddler and young elementary. I was born to be a teenage mom, yeah, not to be a, a mom, mom as a teenager, mm-hmm. but to be a mom to teenagers. You were born to be Stacy's mom. <laughs> totally I got just, it going on. <laughs> I, but there was a transition there that I had to mm-hmm. figure out, but we won't go into that. Cause that could be a whole nother podcast. Right. I just, I love the, the season of life we're in. I feel like I, it, it magnifies the things I'm really good at. Yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah. It, it feels more effortless. Mm-hmm. Which is nice because it and, was very effortful early on. It was hard. Yeah. It was really, really and hard. Thing, it was a combination because and I was so young and I was um, immature in my process of growing into who I was. Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to do that while being a mom, while being a yeah. new wife and doing it all at the same time. And it's a lot. That's yeah. It's a lot. Um, well, especially when you're also trying to raise a 24 year old grown ass man. <laughs> no, I didn't need to raise you. But, but, um, I also had to learn how not to overfunction in homeschooling them. Yeah. But that yeah. was a big trial and error because, um, as after we moved to Utah, and then I was like, okay, like I have um, teenagers, like they can learn how to manage their time and do their schoolwork. And so I completely went hands off. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can imagine what happened. Yeah. So then I realized, okay, one, I have to actually teach them. How- well, uh, well, let's talk about what happened was, was they were very stressed. Well, they, well, some of them were stressed Okay, and, so this is and interesting. not doing their work. Wait. And some of them were not stressed and just really excited not to have to do their work. <laughs> Yeah, so this is a really interesting point about like like over functioning is interesting because it, it's not that the, the, the goal is not under functioning. Like there's there's like there is a thing of healthy functioning, mm-hmm. right? And and so And something that comes so naturally to me mm-hmm. of organizing my time, right. just planning and scheduling all that. Yeah, you're really good at that. I think I just it didn't click right away. I was like, well, Everyone just knows how to do this, right? You just, yeah. you just grow into it. You're a 16 year old. You can, you can tie your shoes, brush your teeth and drive yourself to school. So you should know how to manage your time. Yeah. And so this year mm-hmm. I did it differently. But that wasn't the case. They didn't know how to manage their time. No, yeah. <laughs> terribly no. Yeah. And the, and the kid or son that is, has the most discipline, uh, discipline and, and has a lot of qualities that I have. We mm. share a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I thought, oh, for sure, he, he's going to know how to do this. That was a big fail. <laughs> but this year I realized, okay, I've got to teach them. And by teaching them, I need to give them um, a base structure to work with. Yeah. And then have some consequences that happen if they, if they fall behind. And I'm not, it's not black and white though. Mm-hmm. Um, I've realized that with each kid, their circumstances are very different. And so it requires me to kind of shift and adapt 
to how I handle each of those situations as they come up. So, so what's interesting is that part of what is happening in over-functioning is actually that I've noticed is sort of a laziness of setting up that base structure. Like I'm not willing to do the work to set up the base structure. So I'm going to continue to over-function and I'm going to deal with resentment and overwhelm. It seems easier, but in the long run, it actually makes everything more complicated. But I also think when you over-function for someone, Mm -hmm. what you're, the message that you're maybe subtly sending Mm -hmm. is, um, I don't trust you to learn how to do this and trust yourself that you'll follow through. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, Which a, there's a real, we talked about on one of our podcasts, like yeah. teaching our kids to trust themselves mm-hmm. is the most important, the most thing. important thing that we can do helps facilitate, facilitate as their parents. And I think over-functioning for them just means I don't trust you that you'll, you'll be able to figure this out and, and trust yourself to, yeah. So I'm just going to do this. Take this off your plate. Yeah. And, and I think like we, we we had like a pretty good conversation with Tyler because Tyler's got these seasons of life where he's when he's in football and he's working and he's doing school. Like there's some times where he's he is really in a in a space of potential overwhelm. And so we talked to him. We said, hey, you know, why don't we give you like a, you know, get out of jail card three times during your football season where we'll do your chores for that weekend because you're doing so much. We do. It's not every week. Well, and, his, and he's realized like a, his homeschool load will be a lot lighter this fall because he played some catch up this year. He realized there were some consequences to. Well, and it was interesting because when I asked him, I said, you know, I know last year was really hard. How you feel about this year? And he said, well, I think having gone through last year, I I feel like I at least know that it's a season. It's not forever. And last year it just felt like it was forever. Like I thought is life now always going to be like this. And so the nature of feeling like, there was no end to it actually added to the stress mm-hmm. that he was feeling. And, and I think by, you know, at, telling him, like, we want to be able to help you out. It's kind of encouraging him and creating a space like, you know, tell us, mm-hmm. share with us yeah. when you're, when you're feeling overwhelmed yeah. so we can, we're on your team. We're on your team. If, if, if you have a weekend, you need some help and yeah, you should be able to do your chores, but if it's just, you're just feeling it and that extra little bit of space is what you need. To, and you, uh, and he might not even need to catch up on schoolwork. He might just need to catch up on some rest. Right. Exactly. Even just some mental rest or emotional. Yeah. Rest, I don't have to, to me. And that, like, that was kind of something I tried to do with you early on or in those years was like, Hey, look, why don't we start doing like where once one day a month, I can't do more. I can't do a lot because I am working full time myself, but one day a month, why don't I just take the kids and you know beyond a weekend and you go do your you go do you and i think that was something that was critical in our relationship for you to see that i recognize that this you didn't you know it's hard to escape the overwhelm of a young mother um but if if your spouse can say hey i recognize it at least mm-hmm. i can't save you from it i'm not trying to over function for you but i'm i am willing to support and you. i think when you do that what you're also saying is I see the value of what you do. Yeah, that's really important. You're not paid for it. Yeah. But there's a lot of value that's in what really, you do. Which really I think happens. sometimes as young moms, you don't feel like your spouse yeah. sees the value in what you do. Mm-hmm. And or values it in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So so on the ownership side, um, as we talk about ownership and, and this kind of plays into moving into relationships like equal relationships, like such as not parent child, but, but relationships like a couple, um, I think ownership is probably one of the most critical. In fact, I, I heard 
uh, we refer, reference her a lot, but Dr. Finlayson Fife talk about, you know, she said one time that if there's one trait that would be most valuable in your partner, it would be someone who is willing to be accountable for themselves, you know, and, and I think that that's true. Like I, I like I want my kids to like look for that trait in whoever they choose just about everything else. Cause if someone owns their own stuff, then almost everything else can be kind of worked through. And mm -hmm. I, th I honestly think it is not, I don't, I don't know that we're great. I know I'm not the, I'm not the epitome of ownership. Um, I think I've, I've, what I have, what I could say that I, I think I can honor in myself is my desire to be of ownership. I've, I've, I've made a lot of effort trying to see my own stuff. Mm -hmm. seeing what's missing, seeing what I have, I've, I've, you know, I read a lot of books on that. I studied a lot on that. I, I've, I've tried to do it. When the moment comes up, I'm not always great about it, but I, but I have a sincere desire to own my stuff. I think something I'm still trying to work on is really owning my feelings. Like I am, I don't know if responsible is the right word, but mm -hmm. like if, if you do something I hate the word trigger because mm -hmm. I think it has a time and a place, but mm -hmm. if, if something like you do something and it just, I get like a knee jerk mm -hmm. response yeah. to it. Mm -hmm. I, th I think, um, I still struggle with being able to step back and be like, okay, I have to own why it makes, when he does this, it makes me want to respond this way. Cause I, I can't control that you do this. Mm -hmm. So, because then I can better communicate to you. Okay. This makes me feel this way. Now, can we figure out? I think there's even danger in that we, and we talked about this in the last that we use this, this makes me feel like where there's, so part of ownership is the reality that no one can make you feel anyway. Right. Right. And so, um, but yet, I don't know that it's totally unhealthy to, to express. That's why I, I think I try to find words that, that don't say, you know, what you're I doing. I feel this me, way. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. Maybe it's just leaving the make. Like I feel this way about the situation. Mm -hmm. It's not, you're making me feel this way, but it's, you know, that's something maybe we could work on. Cause I, I know I do it too, but I think it's, um, and I think maybe there's some lenience in semantics sometimes. Like sometimes it's like, okay, we both get it. You can't make me feel this way, but maybe that's all I'm, that's the only thing I can think of at this moment. And that's right better. there. I mean, there are certain situations in life that, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, like make, but like mm -hmm. if you were at a grocery store and someone held it up at gunpoint, that would, <laughs> that situation that's mm -hmm. been created would make you f feel a flood of fear. Well, I think this is an interesting point of this whole thing is that, you know, the, the, it, as much as you want to say like that would, there, there would be all sorts of experiences. It would create a space yeah. and that would allow, that would, I don't know the words I'm uh, searching for. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a flood of emotion, right? But, and I, I think the nature of, of life is trying to learn how to truly be fully accountable for all of those things, right? Like, mm -hmm. like even in the moment, like someone puts a gun up to your head, right? So like, and actually like, I, I think maybe I'm wrong. I've never been trained in the police force or in other places. Uh, the experience of someone in the police force or a military, I'm not saying that they wouldn't feel fear. Like I'm not saying that they, that, but it would be a very different experience than someone who 
you know, had never held a gun before or doesn't know anything about a gun. Right. Like, um, you know, the, or, or for example, the guy that does the YouTube or the, the, the Facebook videos with how to, you know, take a gun out of somebody's hands, his experience of someone holding the gun up to him is very different than my experience without right. that experience. Right. So there's something about, um, uh, and I think this is where the opportunity is in relationships is a lot of times those, those things that, that cause us those triggers, so to speak, are actually the same. Like they show up over and over and over again. It's the same thing that I do in just a little bit different way that keeps showing up. It's the same thing you do that keeps showing up that, that if I can practice and role play, okay, when that shows up, my ownership piece is right. So if, if I go to the store and I buy the wrong thing and you're irritated about mm -hmm. that, right. I can practice that response right even if you're in a place that's not ideal mm -hmm. i can practice the the response of ownership right because even though i might be wrong and then i think this is i think where it's challenging for me and for a lot of relationships where maybe someone's a little more imprecision then a lot of times the criticism is actually accurate right um you didn't clean this up good enough you didn't remember this you didn't uh pick this right thing by the, you know, you bought the wrong brand or whatever. Like, so you're right. Right. But how I respond to it can, um, give a different outcome. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean I deserve to be disrespected or talk unkindly to, because you're more likely to be like, Oh, I'll, I'll go exchange I'll just go it. Get it. Or if I'm like, Oh honey, like, I swear there was I, a season where I, everything I bought for you at the restaurant, like I would go pick I up food really for you. And it was always wrong. Like this type of, uh, dishwashing detergent. Mm -hmm. it's like it, I know yeah. it's silly, but it's really important that we get this kind. Yeah, you'd be more likely to be like, "Oh shoot, sorry, yeah, yeah. I totally spaced it, didn't pay attention." You even texted a picture of it to me, and I just overlooked. <laughs> well, and I and, and I would still probably do the same thing. Like I probably would still be, "Well, do you want me to go back to the store and and get get the right one?" Like if that's that important to you, I probably would, right? Yeah. But I don't do it with any resent. There's no resentments or feeling like deject, like dejected, yeah. just like. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. I screwed up. I'll go. Right. I don't have to. It's, it's, there's no, there's less rejection of myself and there's less rejection of you in, in, you know, but, but, but it's, I get, I guess the thing is that I'm trying to figure out is like in, in that situation, there's it's still ownership on my part, even if you don't respond well mm -hmm. or, or in a way that's, that's most. You can still own your part. Yeah. So, so pr practicing and sometimes recognizing that, like, like it's, it's, well, think, it's not fair to say that you're going to be perfect the rest of your life. It's I not think, fair for me to expect that. Yeah. So if that's a, something that sometimes you are challenged by, so practicing that with each other when we're not in that state space to say, okay, let's look at, let's look at something that like when you're stressed out, maybe whatever's going on when, when, when there's a lot of things going on, when we're about to go out of town, right? That's one mm -hmm. that starts to really be challenging for you. When we're about to go out of town, there's a lot of stress in your world. And so these little things that I commonly make mistakes in are more likely to, to, to elicit in you a response that's not as easy for me to deal with. So, so if I can plan on that and maybe practice, how is it that I could respond in that way in those times that would be honoring of you're overwhelmed, but also honoring of, I deserve to be respected mm -hmm. or spoken to respectfully. I think that's the opportunity that that's the ownership opportunity that I have. So the ownership happens both before the moment and then in the moment, yeah. but based on what you practiced. And I think being able to own your stuff, um, 
feels powerful and mm-hmm. it keeps you out of victimhood. Yeah, see, that's the that's the the beautiful thing about ownership that has me so excited about it, and I've been, and that's probably why I've been working on it for so long. I'm still not great at it. I mean, I catch myself, and you catch me a lot. Where you're like, yeah, you're kind of part of it is I have a sort of sarcastic way that I don't like. There's there's this there's one of these things that I do, which is with the kids or whatever, where I'm where I'm sort of sarcastically non owning things, um, and. And I kind of playfully be like, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I did that f- totally on purpose or whatever. Like, And so then it becomes sort of borderline. Like when it actually is something that I really need to own, there's sort of a potential for defaulting to sort of, oh, well, I was just joking about mm-hmm. not owning that. Well, I think owning, learning to own your stuff is vulnerable because it, it leaves you open for the other person to be like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they can either show up in a like a positive way or like a condescending way. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think we've, we both, I mean, I think there's been time where I've owned my stuff and you've, you've still wanted the fight. And I think there's times where you've owned your stuff and I've still lived in, yeah, I don't really believe you because mm-hmm. of the patterns of the past. Right. And so it's like this, there it is, it's vulnerable and your partner may just because you're owning stuff still not show up exactly like you'd hope they would. But over time, what I think happens is when you own your stuff over and over, it forces the other person to choose are they going to continue to not own their own stuff Mm -hmm. and just let you own your stuff and if you're not moving to over functioning then then what happens is you start to speak clearly and boundaried with them in a way that has them say oh wow i'm i i really do that and i think sometimes that does lead to i mean there have been some moments in our life where we've gone to some pretty extreme lines of like okay if if this doesn't change then this relationship is going to change which is why for me um i don't like it having to go to extremes i think you have to be careful about when you use extremes but it's but but it's important that people are not living in the overfunctioning. now what what is the difference in the feeling for you from you of me overfunctioning versus me owning Well, I think you're less likely to over function when you can own your feelings. Mm-hmm. Like own that, just own that you feel what you feel. Mm-hmm. So when I'm over functioning, I don't own my feelings. I think you hide behind over functioning. Right. I hide behind it. I hide behind, you know, it goes, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode, but I, I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was with discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't either. Yeah. And so I would do anything to not have discomfort. Now, and it's and it's a hard thing because there there's sometimes where you're with someone and they're doing something that is a little bit irrational. It it could be handled better, right? We've both done that. There's times I've handled things with our kids and it was not appropriate, right? But own, owning versus over-functioning. Well, I think you have to learn when it comes to mental health issues, mm-hmm. what stepping in mm-hmm. and helping in the moment looks like versus over-functioning. Yeah. Because um, I think over-functioning can turn into a long-term thing. Yeah. 
Whereas I think sometimes you do need to be able to recognize, okay, this person's really like having a lot of anxiety right now. So I can step in and help with this, but then also realize that that still needs to be discussed, not Mm -hmm. in the moment. Right. Because when someone's experiencing high anxiety or panic attack, whatever you try to talk about to them. Yeah. That's not the time to. No. So in those times you might need to step in, perform whatever task needs to be, be performed, but then not just shelf that forever, forever revisit it. So you can recognize patterns that show up. Oh, I get flooded with anxiety in these kind of scenarios. And so when you can start seeing that, then you can better prepare for it. Doesn't mean you're always, gonna you know sail through it smoothly but you can be i think just being more aware yeah allows for uh shifts and patterns to change and i think i think as you move from over function to ownership you start to see your partner more clearly um and you can kind of see when they're kind of pulling their bs on you right i know that's something that you know finlayson really talks a lot about is like Sometimes people will use like mechanisms of, of like, oh, you know, we, we've talked about this. Like sometimes you'll, you'll say, I'm feeling a lot of pressure from you. Right. And, and sometimes that's, that's fair. Right. It's like, maybe I am being pressuring. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes that's kind of a scapegoat for you to not confront the. Something that's uncomfortable. To something that's about. uncomfortable for you to push towards and mm-hmm. work towards and work on. And so I think as you own your own stuff. Right. Feeling pressure is not necessarily a bad or negative thing. Yeah. And, but, but if I'm in over-functioning, then it almost always is going to feel like pressure when I do bring something. If I'm in ownership, then there's a space yeah. to be able to communicate that where, where once again, you still feel like I'm owning my stuff. So, mm-hmm. so even though there's maybe pressure on your side, there's almost an ability to, to see that there's also pressure on my side, which feels a little bit more equal in the relationship, a little bit more like we're both in this together not I've got my stuff I got to get fixed so that they can be happy mm-hmm. which is not a relationship that doesn't feel like a relationship that just feels like a therapy session or therapy relationship so <clears throat> maybe not that's not even fair but it just just doesn't feel like a relationship so um so I think that's where for me what I'm trying to do now is is yeah catch myself with over functioning you know over functioning ask myself the questions when I am uncomfortable um, is this something that, what is it that I can own in this situation? Um, what, what is it that's my part in this situation? And what is it that I'm wanting to own, but actually isn't my part? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a hard, that's sometimes a hard question to ask for an over-functioner, but, um, and then, and then what there is to do with that is not to say, Hey, I think this is your stuff, which is kind of a place where sometimes boundary conversations go is like, Hey, I, 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 am drawing a line or this is your stuff or you, you know, what, what's another, that, that doesn't work for me. Like mm-hmm. what you're doing. I think those are some language things that sometimes we've kind of mistaken in, in the boundary conversation. But for me, what it's more about is, is to say, Hey, look, I'm trying to own these pieces and I'm open to hearing whatever else you think I need to own. Um, but I see it as this is this is your discomfort here, and and I would really value or appreciate if you would look at that. That would mean a lot to me. That would contribute a lot to our relationship. So, 
sometimes it's easier to talk about these things, I think, than talk, than have the conversations. Um, but I think what the great, the, I think this is one of the problems I have with some of the societal things today is that sometimes in the name of this idea that we want to make everything fair, we want to take things, bad, bad, ugly, gnarly things that have happened in the past. And we want to try to make it fair for people today. We sometimes place people in a place that doesn't empower them to be in ownership and it empowers people to be maybe victims of the past. Mm -hmm. And just like in a relationship, living as a victim or the martyr, which I was really good at for years and years and years, it, it doesn't make me any better. It, and, and, and it's only ownership that is empowering and capable of unlocking the ability to really be in the relationship in a way that makes you happy mm -hmm. for yourself but also unlocks and then power for the other person to fully look at themselves and see whatever they need to see. So what are your final thoughts on this topic? Yeah, I just, I think owning, learning how to own your stuff, all, all the stuff, mm -hmm. it, it, it does. It makes you feel more powerful. It actually makes you feel, have a sense of control. Like you you really have zero control on outside influences, mm -hmm. but what you can have control over is um, how you respond to situations. And I think owning is a huge thing. I think it's, it's humbling yeah, it is. <laughs> to uh, look at yourself and realize, okay. I'm part of the re and and I think I remember when in our relationship and, and maybe it was the last podcast where I said this but where if it, 100 people were interviewed 99 would have said that you know oh I'm the I'm the good one you're the bad mm -hmm. one right but but the book that I read which was called leadership and self-deception it, it showed me how I was living in a world where you were an object that was supposed to sort of meet my expectations uh, of there was a certain level of kindness of 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 effort of of you know, sort of there's, there's something in a relationship that I was expecting and, and that expectation turned you into an object, not a human experiencing human things. Mm -hmm. And so, so they call it the box when you put people in the box. And so as I, as I got that, that was one of the first things that was interesting. Cause it was like, I saw all the ways that I was putting you in the box and objectifying you, not, not, not in a lust way, but in a, in a, just, you were supposed to do these things for me. And like marriage was supposed to be about being happy and, and about mm -hmm. loving each other. And that was not what I was experiencing. So there's something wrong with you. Right. And so, whereas it was, I could see my part and it was so interesting how powerful I felt when I had something to do with it, when yeah. it's all somebody else's fault, we feel powerless. Right. We, we think if, I mean, it does initially feel good to like point the finger because you're like, yeah, that ego that really likes that. It's not me. It's not me, yeah. But in the end, that that leaves you with zero power. Yeah, zero power. And which one do you want to be? Powerful or powerless? Do yeah. you want it to be everybody else's fault? Or do you want to be powerful? Powerful. Yeah. Take powerful. Yeah, but do it in a way that's not over-functioning, that honors that the other person is powerful too. And I think yeah. that's the crux of, of over-functioning is thinking that you're so powerful that the other person's not. And that yeah. doesn't work either. Yeah. So hopefully there's been a good conversation for you to consider in your own relationships, whoever you're with. And we also are empathetic to this journey of confronting um, where you are operating as a victim versus an owner. 
or you are struggling with overfunctioning is a hard conversation for with yourself as well as with your partner. So wish you luck in that journey. Yeah. And what we can say though is it feels really, really a whole lot better than it used to in yeah. those areas specifically. For sure. Yeah. So life's a little out of control, but uh, a little bit of ownership goes a long way. So it's time to wrap up, but next week is going to be amazing. And if you like the podcast, take a moment to rate and review. And you can do that on iTunes by simply going on the podcast that you're listening to right now. That episode right below that is the out of control podcast title. Click on that and then scroll all the way down to the bottom where it'll say write a review. When you leave a review, we have a special gift we're going to give away to each week to one person with the funniest or best review. And once you leave a review, you're in the running for all future week's prizes.